This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Ladies, your workouts are about to get an upgrade. The new Inspire Leggings by Kalia are exactly what you want when it comes to activewear. It's their most versatile collection yet. They look good, feel good, and stay put. Using Lycra Adaptive Fiber, it compresses and molds to the body like a second skin. And it's unbelievably stretchy, so you can move however you want. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing, carefully consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Co. Hello and welcome to this week's Olive Magazine podcast. I'm Laura Rowe, the editor and host, and I'm back with the team to bring you the latest food and drink trends and expert advice. This time we talk about turbo gin and tonics, there's no dry January in our office, reducing your food waste with eco-chef Tom Hunt, and why plant-based cooking could be the most exciting thing you try all year. First up, here's Olive's food director, Janine, with Chef Tom Hunt about his root to fruit philosophy of cooking and practical ways that you can apply it at home. Okay, so I'm here today with Tom Hunt, um, who's an eco-chef and food waste activist. Welcome, Tom. Thank you very much. Um, You've written a great piece in our January issue, um, The Lowdown, on food waste. Um, I just wanted to sort of put things um, in perspective for readers. So could you just tell us how you sort of your journey to becoming a chef and kind of where you are now? Well, I guess it started when I was a, a, t- a tiny uh, little boy kind of at home cooking with my parents yeah. um, and my grandmas quite regularly. Um, I'd go to theirs and make various cakes and things when I was, you know, eight years, ten years old. Mm. And um, my mother always made sure that we sat at the table and ate their food and kind of that was a real kind of important part of the day for us, which I think, you know, had a lasting impact. Um, And um, then beyond that, kind of growing up in the countryside, I obviously was quite close to the origin of my food. Um, When we first moved to a little village called Thorncombe in Dorset from Winchester, we inherited two goats in our, um, with our house, which at, the young age of 11 years old, mm. I was given the task of milking each morning. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, in the dark before <laughs> before school on a winter's night, it wasn't, wasn't fun, but it certainly taught me a thing or two yeah. and um, about where our food comes from and, yeah. and, and taught me hard work too. Um, so that so, was something that you took in when you started your cooking journey, that was something you took with you, that kind of knowledge. Yeah, those experiences. And um, I guess I... Uh, I I was actually very passionate about drawing and painting and and studied fine art. Yeah. Um, But all the while, I was kind of like this kind of passion for cooking was bubbling inside. And I was in, you know, weekends or any breaks, I was catering or cooking with with four friends Mm. um, or at events and at festivals kind of. How did you get to open your own restaurant? I mean, how was that journey? Opening the restaurant 
came, well, it all began in 2004 okay. when I set up my festival cafe, which became Poco. Oh, okay. So, yeah, originally we were a kind of roaming restaurant, traveling around from festi- <laughs> festival to festival. Yeah. We still are, actually. Okay. Um, we're at Wilderness Green Man, Shambhala and Camp so Festival. So you still, you still do that side Yeah, of it. we're yeah. still kind of touring around with Poco, uh, which is in this kind of huge marquee that I designed uh, and my friend built, mm. which is a kind of like Berber tent style okay. kind of environment. So still a space where you can enjoy uh, and sit down and slow down the festival so what was the idea behind Poco when you when you first I mean when it started off as the roaming thing to begin with at that point it was you know I'd been working at festivals already since I was 17 so I'd I'd been at festivals for six or seven seasons right and it was you know I knew it inside and out and thought right I need to do this I can I can do this and uh kind of spent one winter after I think it was a summer actually after getting back from doing a chalet season in Val d'Isere kind of writing a business plan and creating a website and like quite fastidiously like piecing together a plan ready to do my own operation and then I was offered a couple of sites one at Shambhala and one at Glastonbury and I was like until that point it wasn't really real and then as soon as I got those sites I was like okay Guns blazing, we only had a couple of months and built everything ourselves from scratch. At that point, uh, the festival cafe was in two yurts that I built okay. from scratch with a canopy joining them. Um, and yeah, so then we kind of continued for about six or seven years running that summer to summer and doing a lot mm-hmm. of travel in the winters, like yeah. in s- surfing and eating and learning about food in uh, Latin America and India mostly. Okay. And um, anyway, it came to a point where the festival cafe was just running itself and I was just... You uh, weren't needed. I, was just, <laughs> I wasn't needed. I, was, I ended up just <clears throat> being a bit of a party animal at the festivals, just kind of doing nothing but enjoying myself. <laughs> okay. And, you know, that was too much. I was like, okay, I need to... I'm having too much fun. I need, <laughs> I need to actually, you know, do something now. Like, and, and we had this amazing team that was traveling around each summer. Yeah. <clears throat> and then at the end of the season, most of them traveling back to Bristol without work. Um, and so I just saw it as a no-brainer. Uh, like, you know, we, we've got this team. Yeah. Uh, mm. Everyone's in Bristol. Everyone needs work. And we all know what we're doing. And we can create something from this quite easily. And it's quite unusual to have that in because normally you you find the site, you find the chef, and then you kind of find the team. But you had everything in place, and you just had to find somewhere to live, basically, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We just needed a home for Poco in bricks and mortar, and we found this amazing site, um, forty-five Jamaica Street in Stokescroft, where we are now, and um, we're just really lucky with the with the with the lease, like. Um, my friend, who was a partner at that time in the restaurant, was working there already and knew yeah. that it was coming up for sale. And we did the whole thing on a sh- real shoestring ourselves yeah. in like something crazy, like forty days, kind wow. of just <clears throat> built, like you know, rebuilt the thing and 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 opened up. And when did the kind of food waste eco thing start um, drifting down into? I mean, it's always been there, like you said, but when did it start becoming something that you really wanted to bring into the day to day of the of the restaurant? 
Well, I've kind of always been, as you say, environmentally aware, yeah. but there was the real turning point was kind of joining Tristram Stewart at Feeding the 5,000 right. in Trafalgar Square, where, of course, he fed 5,000 people using food that would otherwise be wasted, okay. where I did cookery demonstrations. And that's um, something that happens every year now, isn't it? It's not every year, actually. Okay. Um, but, it I mean, it, it is kind of, they happen globally now. Right, okay. All the time in various kind of capital cities okay. around the world, supported by the um, UN and or UNEP. And anyway, like alongside that, I was also invited to feed 200 people on Southwark Bridge for the Thames Festival. Okay. Using food that would otherwise be wasted. Mm. It was kind of like it came off the back of Hugh's fish fight and it was organized by Tristram's team. Mm. And they wanted to kind of like highlight fish discards. And so we kind of, we called it the, the Forgotten Fish Restaurant. Okay. And we kind of sourced like alternative species of fish or bycatch um, and interesting fish and then also used fresh vegetables that would have otherwise gone to waste or dry goods that had been kind of mislabeled or things donated from Fair Share, the food waste redistribution charity. And um, we were just inundated with incredible produce. I kind of made a pledge to myself to only use good organic produce even though we were using surplus and Mm. the quality of the produce was astounding and and really uh kind of triggered something in me that made me realize what an issue this truly was and also how you know the forgotten feast or this concept could become so much more And, and, and you know it was a really important time for the kind of whole food waste scandal it just kind of it would started to blow up with Tristram's mm. work doing feeding the 5000 working with the government and um it had you know really started to get into the mainstream yeah. media and people were becoming aware of it so it was the perfect time to kind of begin this project the forgotten feast which yeah. the forgotten fish restaurant became and um we ended up doing lots more kind of food waste banquets working with fair share and food cycle and okay. things like that and um, kind of, but really the the idea and concept of the Forgotten Feast is much bigger than that. It's kind of, it's really um, a campaign for sustainable food yeah. through celebration. Yeah. So it's, you know, a fortunate uh, kind of profession to be in food. And because it's, you know, it's all about kind of enjoyment and celebration. Yeah. And, and so it's actually really kind of fun like exploring issues mm. in the food industry yeah. and kind of looking at the solutions because they're all tasty. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Really. So if you, it, could you sort of, I know one of your things is root to fruit. That's the, one of your phrases that you use quite a lot. Is I mean, could you explain root to fruit in a, in a few sentences or is the philosophy so much bigger than that? <laughs> it can be both. It's, I, if it, you know, root fruit eating mm. is about whole food cookery. Okay. It's about valuing food and reconnecting with yes. its origins. Yeah. Um, it starts in the kitchen with conscious cookery or cooking with thrift. Yeah. And, you know, appreciating your ingredients um, and cooking them in their entirety. Yeah. So in my kitchen, we only use whole foods. 
whole grain, whole, grains. Uh, whole wheat flour, yeah. um, kind of muscovado sugar, mm. because the whole ingredient's still there, all because, of the nutrients. Yeah, because you've literally harvested, then taken away the edible bit, and the edible bit is what you're using. You're not going to then try and take away the, you know, like you said, with the whole wheat, you're not taking the outer, you're using the whole exactly. thing. Exactly. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so, like, often if, you know, wheat's polished and the bran's discarded, that's an incredibly nutritious part of the ingredient yeah. that is actually vital for our health yeah. that we are you know feeding to animals or even you know worse um but it expands to vegetables so of course you know it's quite a natural progression people have taken nose to tail and other people have coined similar phrases yeah, or philosophies now lot. yeah so right. root to stalk is another kind of yeah. term that people are using and it you know so there's a real synergy around this kind of idea of truly valuing our food that I'm really kind of happy to, happy to be a part of. And also, I mean, it goes along with the message that we're being told to, you know, step away from the refined and the processed. And what you're exactly. saying is it, it, it can benefit everyone. It doesn't just benefit your health, but it benefits the planet if you actually take the thing as it's grown and use it, because then you're not using further industrial processes, using energy and waste you know, wastage to kind of get to that refined product. So, I mean, it, it is a very kind of kind philosophy, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. It's a win-win yeah. for everyone involved. <laughs> and just in terms even of... taste, sorry. Oh, yeah, even, of course. Yeah, of course even the, like, I, mean, I think the flavours yeah, are... the flavours like, are better because, yeah, because yeah, you're not taking it away. And the, the real, I mean, where it goes beyond just kind of like your behaviour and uh, respect for the ingredients in the kitchen is kind of when you start to think about the true value of those ingredients and how you can value yeah. them, uh, which t kind of starts taking you back into the fields and to the farmers mm. and and um, kind of really that's when you begin to start reconnecting with the origin of your food and um, improving your diet and health and, and well-being. Are there any other kind of, you know, just for listeners, like practical ways that they can sort of think about way, you know, waste in a different way. It's not just it's not just what you're throwing in the bin, is it? It's not just, but though essentially that's a big part of it is the stuff that we that we might, um, you know, we let it go past its sell by, but then we look at it and kind of go, uh, okay, that's not good enough. Throw it in the bin. Whereas actually, it might it might be okay if you just kind of chopped a few bits off and used it. I mean, are there other ways that people can think about? Yeah, I mean it. I mean, love your leftovers, of course. Yeah. I think in, you know, we're living in a world of convenience and yeah. it, leftovers are one of the kind of best <laughs> things you can wish for in your kitchen yeah. because it saves you time and it's brilliant, nutritious food that you haven't had to buy a premium from a shop or yeah. whatever. Um, and you've already put the love of cooking into it. Exactly, so, yeah. exactly. Um, but other, otherwise, practically, I think good like any chef would have good management of your yeah kind of fridge and vegetables and things like that and just mm. being aware of kind of what needs using next is is such an important part of of kind of cooking at home um but really i think about for me it's kind of like getting creative with the byproducts or part of the ingredient that okay. often aren't being used so yeah. i wouldn't ever peel anything okay um like why? Like, I mean, okay, you know, a perfect roast potato to someone might be a peeled potato, but I, you know, you can actually 
kind of twist that and come up with a new recipe that includes the skin. So okay. my roast potatoes, you you boil <laughs> and then squash. Oh, so they kind the of get the yeah. So you get the best of both worlds. You, you get the, the skin and yeah, the fluffy need... crust, crunchy kind of like yeah. delicious bit. Um, but if I was to you know peel something uh, like a potato, then it would. Uh, I'd use the skin to make some crisps as a snack yeah. for later or something like that. So it's really just about being creative mm. with all of those edible parts of the ingredients, but also giving that extra little bit of love and care and attention to those yeah. parts of the ingredients because they are slightly rougher or tougher. So like the stalks of the parsley mm. um, need to be chopped slightly finer than you might chop the leaves, for example. But that's 70% of that bunch of parsley that you might not be eating, which is which is really free food at the end of the day. So it's it's just thinking about it a bit, working a bit harder maybe, because you're there cooking anyway, you might as well just work a little bit harder to, <laughs> to use everything up. I think, and uh, really, think, only, really thinking it through, you know, yeah. like what you're, yeah. Yeah, I think you're, you're, maybe you're working harder with your imagination, but um, with when it comes to uh, cooking, I the, the hope and what I'd encourage is to cook what you love and, and really yeah. explore kind of, you know, so that it no longer becomes work and it becomes kind of this, you know, eating for pleasure and exploring kind of beautiful ingredients that you want to cook. I'm going to get that roast potato with skin's recipe off you and try it. They're called it. Portuguese punched potatoes. Portuguese, but with a brilliant title as well. Um, <laughs> so tell us what what's next. What are you up to in the next few months? Have you got events coming up or? Well, I've got um, a pop up with Burton May. I'm going to. I recently became vegetarian, so I'm going okay. to be doing a vegetarian pop up with them um, at the in a, in a couple of weeks' time, um, and then Fair Healthy, uh, kind of big um, sustainability and health food fair. I'm doing a talk with Sky Gingle. Oh, nice! Yeah, and um, Mira and. I'm also doing, which is about the power of the vegetable. Oh, no, I'm also doing a pop-up there one evening, a root-to-fruit eating banquet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've teamed up with Tiny Leaf and Gil Meller and Tess Ward. Yeah. And we're, and, um, we're all doing a, a different course each. And okay. all of the profits are going to Action Against Hunger. Fantastic. Um, and then I'm also doing my annual five-star burger event. Okay. Which is um, <laughs> this year with Honest Burgers. Okay. in bank and uh that's on the 25th of february um i can remember that because it's the day after my mum's 60th <laughs> and um yeah so so each year we collaborate five chefs get together i curate this burger we've got tom akins doing his dill pickles honest burger are doing oh, the so patty. It's five chefs all contributing yeah, so, to one burger so it's a really like interesting event because it's not competitive anyway it's you know a true Especially collaboration now that you're vegetarian and again, it's a fundraiser <laughs> for Action Against Hunger. Yeah. Which oh, well, that's cool. brilliant. Yeah. So it, it, is there a website where, where people can go and find out about all these events? On your yeah. website, I guess. Yeah, just on my website, tomsfeast.com. Brilliant. Uh, and the tickets are available on there as well for Great. some of the events at least. That sounds like you've got an exciting Yeah. Well, thanks very much for coming in and talking to us, Tom. And um, people can pick up a copy of January Olive Magazine and find your um, really informative waste how to avoid waste um, article in there. Thanks for coming, Tom. Thanks, Janine. Big thank you to Tom and Janine. Next up, here's myself and Olive Strings writer Sarah talking dry January, charcoal lattes and turbo g and You'll never guess their secret ingredient. 
Okay, hello. Um, it's Laura here, and I'm joined by the very lovely Olive Drinks writer, Sarah. Hello. Hello. So we need to talk dry January, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Or damp January, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> very damp January. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at Olive, um, we've got some members of the team that are doing dry-ish January. Yeah. And we also know lots of friends and things that are doing dry January. But yeah. we, as a team, aren't uber keen on it, are we? No, I mean... It's great if you can do it. It saves you a lot of money. There's yeah. so many health benefits, as we all know. Yeah. But particularly doing our jobs, it's not particularly realistic. No, and I, say. I just think it's the worst time of year to do it. Yeah, it really is. January's depressing enough Yeah, without having, you know, like not being able to enjoy a glass of wine or a nice gin yeah. and tonic. Yeah, like why punish yourself? Exactly. One of the coldest months of the year. One of the months of the year where it's hardest in terms of money yeah. and you're sad because you're not eating mince pies and chocolates yeah. for breakfast you know like why would you make things even harder exactly um so I think we've all cut back a little bit haven't we yeah I mean I've certainly tried to make it was a very merry Christmas so I've yeah. certainly tried to make a an effort to drink a little bit less mm-hmm. um which I think we can all do yeah from time to time. I mean particularly after Christmas or after birthdays or whatever. So it's good to reassess how much yeah. you're drinking and then make sure you're at a happy level. Yeah. And one thing that we've kind of all made an effort with is to make sure when we are having a drink that it's something interesting and yeah. not just drinking for the sake of it like perhaps we were at Christmas. Exactly. Like take the time, find a new gin that you haven't tried before yeah. or find a new beer brand that you really like or take the time and actually go and speak to people Go to your local wine merchant, speak to them, find something new and interesting. Yeah, make it more of an experience out of it. Yeah, and maybe spend a little bit more because then you'll drink less Yeah. anyway. Well, that's the theory. <laughs> Let's in, go with that. In theory. <laughs> yeah. But you're drinking better, yeah. it's more interesting, it's more enjoyable if you're yeah. actually taking the time yeah. to, to think about it properly. Yeah, definitely. So um, Kate, um, our brilliant wine writer, yeah. in the January issue has got loads of tips on kind of interesting new wines to try, hasn't she, yeah. from different regions that you might not have heard of before. Yeah, so, kind of really niche stuff that sounds super interesting yeah and all affordable still and yeah. all readily available so definitely check out that article in the January issue which is still out now yeah um I actually went to a cafe today for breakfast uh Rude Health they do the brilliant porridges yeah. and alternative milks but they've got a thing called try January which I, I really that. like I the sound brilliant. of it's not cutting anything out it's not depriving yourself it's just about trying new experiences which I really like um and one of the things they did was uh, they call them rainbow lattes. So it's all using. It's a rainbow latte. I mean, it sounds very East London, but I was in West, I promise. Is um, it like rainbow bagels when they're all multicolored or are they? No, so colors? it's different kinds of lattes, okay. but in different shades. So okay. they're all using their alternative milk. So everything from um, almond milk, hazelnut, uh, coconut, that sort of thing. Um, but they were using as the other flavoring instead of coffee uh i had a turmeric kind of chai latte Ooh, which was really, really nice. delicious really really delicious and obviously we've been talking loads about the health benefits of turmeric yeah, this year it's incredible if anybody read our uh, our trend report online um which has got loads of things that you should be trying this year turmeric was a big one and we've obviously got it on our front cover of the january sheet yeah. too with those gorgeous chicken ginger dumplings and the turmeric broth um so that was super good and mm-hmm. i also tried um this does sound really trendy um and not very nice but it was really good it was a charcoal latte it's the thing that just won't go away I know people keep trying and trying and trying but you said that this is actually really nice it's actually really good so it looked a bit like grotty like you'd had some um, paintbrushes (laughs) in in a in a cup and was swilling them out with some white spirit but um actually it was really tasty kind of it was a really clean flavor 
felt quite refreshing mm. and you know it's really good for your digestion. So when you're having breakfast, actually, it was a really nice thing to have. Interesting. So definitely recommend popping into one of their cafes or even trying to make that sort of thing at home. Yeah. Um, but they had all sorts. They had beetroot, spirulina, oh, wow. um, matcha, um, yeah, so lots Incredible. of things to try. But we've got something else to try today, haven't we? We do, yeah. This is kind of a new thing that we're seeing popping up recently, and it's called a Turbo G&T. Now, we both love a G&T, don't we? We do. Yep. Um, I love coffee. It... <laughs> you don't necessarily love coffee. Not so much. Um, so, yeah, to, to give context to that, a Turbo G&T is the perfect cocktail, the G&T, um, either enhanced or spoiled, depending on how you look <laughs> at it, with cold brew coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's definitely not dry January no. in, in this studio today. We had very mixed feelings about this yeah. when we heard about it. We're actually going to try it for the first time. Live. Live. <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically, you make a standard G&T yeah. and then just add a bit of cold brew coffee to it. And in theory, it should work if you get a fruity gin yeah. and a fruity coffee. I mean, I would say look at where your coffee is being sourced from. Mm. So African coffees would work better because they're a bit fruitier. Yeah. Potentially. So we've got Sandow's cold brew coffee here, and this is from Nicaragua. Um, so we'll see. Fruity. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. So should we... Um, Let's try it. Give, give it, it a go. go. Okay. This is obviously very boozy. Well, not very boozy, but it's got booze in it. One thing that we're seeing a lot of... I mean, we spoke about it last year, but... A lot of people are not necessarily going booze-free, but are going lower alcohol. Mm -hmm. So this, again, the ratio of of gin to to other liquid is quite low. So it's about... (laughs) Getting a kick from somewhere else. Yeah, but drinking something a little bit lower in alcohol, like the spritzes last year. Loads of bars now are Mm. doing it where alcohol is a flavour rather than the actual... Yeah. Using it for the booze. Yeah, so longer drinks, you can enjoy them over a longer period of time and kind of not the bad effects of drinking that we don't necessarily hopefully like. touch with. Hopefully, yeah. So um, we've got our drinks in front of us. So tell us, we, in our one, we've got a Sipsmith Gin. We've got Sipsmith Gin and Fever Tree Tonic because that's kind of our go-to yeah. G&T. That's what's in the olive cupboard. Yeah. Um, and then this is, as you say, Sandow's uh, Cold Brew Coffee. Just having a little sniff. You can get kind of everywhere now. It's it's one of those, it's a super cool brand and it's one of those ones that's kind of exploded and it's in, you can get it in M&S now, it's in oh, Whole great. Foods, it's, it's quite readily available now. It's got really cool blue and white packaging. Yeah, beautiful packaging. It's yeah. actually really nice as a gift, I think. Maybe you could do a yeah. gift set with gin they, they tonic. They do a gift set on their website, but oh. you could create your own. You could do a turbo gin and tonic gift set if it tastes good. If it tastes good. So well, should we Yeah, let's give it a go. Should we cheers? It's a bit really yeah, nice cheers, isn't it? Okay. Thank you. Um, cheers, Sarah. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm not so sure. I don't know if I like it. I think you've just tampered with a, a very nice cocktail there. It's, that's not for me. It's it's very, um, it's quite sour. Yeah. Is it it's very... Is it drying? Yeah, you get real, the bitterness from the tonic comes through a lot more. I'm getting mouse sweats. <laughs> You know what I mean, don't you? I know exactly what you mean, but I've never heard of that. <laughs> it either comes when I'm hungover or drinking <laughs> turbo gin and tonics. Um, mm. I, but I'm going back for more. Yeah, maybe it's one of those things that... Do you know what it tastes like? A bit. What? Like flat Coke. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you're saying In right. that really like... But also off-brand Coke. Yeah, oof. Okay. So if you like that, then... We're selling it to you, you aren't we? Um, yeah, it's, it's weirdly addictive... 
Uh, keep going back for more. Yeah. Mm, I think I like it. It's I, growing on me. Maybe you just need to play around with the ratios a bit. Yeah, and and the, maybe different gins different would gins. work better. Basically, yeah. you need to experiment with a lot of gin yeah. and a lot of cold brew coffee. Maybe if you had a more spicy gin. Yeah. Yeah. That would work. I suppose what it's great for, actually, is a lighter alternative to a, um, a coffee. Espresso martini. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, obviously, that's really heavy and you get very drunk very quickly off those. <laughs> yeah. And then you can't sleep. Whereas yeah. this is a little after work pick me up. Mm-hmm. Actually, might be quite nice. Yeah, tastes really grown up. Yeah, yeah, it's two very grown up flavors. And actually, there are loads of bars are looking at um, are taking non alcoholic cocktails seriously now. And coffee is one of those kind of key yeah. ingredients that they use a lot. Mm. Um, I'm going to get told off for mentioning it because I mention it all the time. <laughs> Can anyone guess what it is? Dandelion do a <laughs> coffee non alcoholic cocktail called the Brazil, which has got cold brew coffee in um, with malt syrup and chai spices which is delicious and it's kind of like an espresso martini without the booze yeah it's perfect other cocktail bars are available available, including (laughs) Peg and Patriot do a really cool Campari soda style drink but they use Campari sugar rather than actual Campari to get all the flavours great but without the booze great I was Um, drinking some Negronis there on the weekend Uh, maybe I should have had that instead and I would have felt a lot better on Sunday yeah okay and Lucky Liquor where's Lucky Liquor that's in Edinburgh okay Um, they're taking their syrups really seriously so they're doing a lot of kind of more interesting syrups and then using those as a base for their non-alcoholic cocktails fab so if you are doing dry or dry-ish January they're definitely still really interesting options available if you're going on a night out yeah speak to your bartender yeah they might have loads of syrups and shrubs that aren't on the menu but they can knock something up really delicious i bet that'd probably be actually quite exciting for them yeah and not doing the standard thing again it's just having that conversation and starting a dialogue and you're probably bound to get something much more interesting than if you just went on menu definitely they're there to help perfect all right well i am inspired (laughs) um don't know if I'm ever going to drink one no, of these again, but I'm probably going to finish it and have a great afternoon at work. So <laughs> thank you, Sarah. No worries, Cheers. Thank you. Finally, food director Janine is back to convince me that vegan or plant-based cookery, as it's now described, is a must-try this January. Okay, so uh, it's Laura again. Hello. Um, and I've got the lovely, brilliant food director Janine. Hello. Howdy. Um, <laughs> Howdy. So... We've got our January issue out at the moment. Yeah, we do. And one of the things that we thought we'd we'd profile um, is vegan recipes. Yes. They're, they're so popular at the moment. They're becoming an increasing trend, not just for those that choose for ethical dietary requirements to eat vegan, but also for people who eat meat, just having it as a bit more of a balanced diet. Yeah, definitely. Um, We're hearing loads about um, plant-based diets, yeah. which is a word that, you know, I've just started hearing in the past six yeah. months quite a lot. Yeah. And the idea is that we're... We're not um, denying ourselves. We're kind of celebrating what's out there and yeah. what's growing and kind of trying to use every single bit of it. So For me, that's the best bit about veganism, all plant-based eating, is yeah. like, these are incredible ingredients, we should be eating them. Definitely. Um, and so, yeah, we've got some fantastic ones in the January issue. Yeah, we've we? got, um, we went to this restaurant in Melbourne. We didn't actually go. We, um, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> we approached them um, to use recipes Um from their from their restaurant and it's called Smith and Daughters and um they've got a book out um called Smith and Daughters Vegan and it's it's a cookbook that they say it just happens to be vegan it's yeah. not actually a vegan cookbook yeah so their whole philosophy is um 
they take ingredients and they kind of work with those ingredients to get the maximum flavor out of them. So it's not, you're not using kind of, though there are substitutes for kind of creamy things as we'll get onto, Mm. but essentially like the meal that you're eating is made up of all those gorgeous kind of plant-based things and it's all brought together with different flavorings and different techniques to make the most out of it. Yeah, and they're they're perfectly balanced, aren't they? Yeah. We've called it on the front cover and I think it's one of the terms that they use is they're incidentally vegan. So they're perfectly balanced in terms of colors, textures, flavors yeah. you wouldn't be missing anything no when you're, you're so and, and nourishment as well you know you've got yeah. protein you've got um you've got it all there basically carbs um and we were just so pleasantly surprised weren't we because we love vegan food at olive yeah. anyway but these were just like next level weren't yeah they? when when we're in the test kitchen there was a few things i kind of picked out from the recipes that that we were really impressed by um there's a heart of palm salad and i'm i'm not hugely familiar with hearts of palm i think it's it's a it's an ingredient that's used a lot in kind of southern american cooking um but what what they did for this recipe it's a it's a hearts of palm salad um and the hearts of palm they're tinned because that's how they come you don't usually get them fresh in this country yeah um they toss them in a mix of corn flour and cumin coriander cayenne spice and then they kind of shallow fry them so you get this amazing kind of crispy so exterior good. and sort so of slightly surprised. creamy but like still quite firm interior yeah it was kind of like a bit like artichoke hearts yeah, and exactly. a little bit in flavour yeah. and then a little bit like bamboo in terms of texture. Yeah, so the texture sort of, you get a real bite with it. So yeah. you kind of got Succulent, your... Succulent, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we that that was incredibly surprising. Um, the other thing that we loved was, um, obviously, aioli is made from eggs. Um, yum, yum, so yum. not vegan, but... Yeah. Um, they managed to do this incredible aioli using tofu. And I was thinking, reading the recipe, oh, I'm yeah, not nice really one. sure about yeah. that. Nice, <laughs> yeah. nice try. Um, but what you do is you take tofu and blend it up with garlic, uh, cider vinegar, Dijon, and an olive oil and vegetable oil. Season it really well. And, and when you blend it, it kind of emulsifies into something which is incredibly like aioli which is, is just fantastic it's like a little bit of magic in the kitchen basically it, it really really was if you hadn't have told me that that was vegan I would never ever have known and it actually was one of the most delicious salad dressings yeah. I have ever tried it was so like decadent and yeah. creamy and garlicky and my mouth was watering just and thinking then, about and it and the other thing they do as well which they did on the salad is they don't just leave a salad as a salad with dressing they kind of punch it up with different flavors mm. so so basically, it was um, a sort of lettuce and radicchio cucumber salad, but then they brought in pickled radishes and pickled onions, which so they which they quick pickled by um, spicing up vinegar, heating it up, and then pouring over the onions and radishes, letting that cool down. You can keep that in the fridge for a week, and then you can kind of add it to, to dishes, so you just get this extra little punch of flavour. Seriously, my mouth is watering so much <laughs> just thinking about it. But again, that's kind of about the balancing, because you've got these gorgeous crisp green leaves, which, you know, are beautiful things, but sometimes mm. they need kind of a little help just to really sing. And then you've got, like, sharp pickles, creamy avo, beautiful aioli, and, like, the green and pink just looks brilliant on the plate yeah. as well. So it's like you really want to eat it when it's on there. And I think the thing is when we were making them, because they've got so many different flavourings in there, and obviously there's a bit of frying going mm. on, they, it didn't necessarily feel like you were trying to be super healthy no, or, like, deprive feed. yourself. But then when you when you kind of look at the fat and the calories, um, especially calorie amounts, they're actually really low. So you're kind yeah. of getting these these big plates of food, but you're not actually packing in tons of calories. So in terms of like, you know, if someone who wants to eat a little bit lighter, yeah. but feel like you've really had a good, you know, a, 
good dinner, then they're definitely ones to look at. 100%. One of, all of these recipes on here in that feature, apart from the pudding, are under 500 calories. Yeah, I know. I, I was really surprised at that as well, especially the palm hot, because I was thinking, yeah. well, you're practically deep frying them, yeah. but you're still getting just, you know, this quite lightness yeah. to go with it as Nutritious well. and, you know, yeah. really good as part of a balanced diet. They're, they're just really winning recipes and they just taste so, so mm. good. Um, not probably not considered so healthy because it is slightly higher calories and fat, etc. But the uh, warm Mexican corn and blueberry puddings in there need a shout out as well, don't they? Yeah, they were amazing. They sort of had this incredible kind of little polenta puddings with a with a kind of blueberry compote on top. So but they good. made a crumble weirdly out of tortilla chips, which <laughs> I'm fully on board with. <laughs> sounds insane, but um, it just added a little extra crunch on top. Again, it's it's sort of like that slightly left field thinking, I think, which makes mm. all of these recipes really interesting to do because nothing in there you would you would sort of look at and go I've seen that before yeah. I hadn't seen any of it before yeah. and I was really I, f- I find them really intriguing and really interesting yeah it's just exciting and you know what they'll become part of my you know rotation of meals that I have yeah. during the week because they're all just so good like the char grilled broccoli and cauliflower with like a gorgeous pesto underneath yeah that that was was a kind of I mean they call it a salsa verde but I was looking at it and I was thinking oh this isn't like any because normally Mm. salsa verde you know there's a few ingredients there's a there's (laughs) a a lot lot, there's a lot I wouldn't be scared and we're not lying there's a lot of ingredients in their salsa verde I'm gonna say a good 90% of those ingredients most of our readers would have in the kitchen as standard you know you've got things like cocoa powder which is a bit random that's a bit random really adds it and most people will have that in their cupboards but everything else you'll have in there um but that's the other thing about it about this particular salsa verde which we really loved was that you didn't just get your standard herbs but you got things like um ancho chilies and agave mm. syrup and raisins and then they're all whizzed together and amongst the huge amount of, of ingredients again quite store cupboardy you kind of get this balance that mm. just picks up the entire dish and gives it a massive big kind of warmth for flavour. So I think that's like the main message from this feature is, you know, don't be, um, you might not, you might need to add a few little more bits and pieces. Mm. You certainly won't have to spend a lot more time because yeah. it, it's very much kind of, you know, picking things out, blending them together and maybe char grilling to bring out the sweet flavours, but you'll definitely get a hell of a lot more flavour in there. And Yeah, 100%. And also I know sometimes with... Um, what you might call specialist diet recipes like this some people are scared that they might cost a lot of money but there's really not any no high again, value it's, ingredients it's, in here it's either. store cupboard and, it, and it's, beautiful um, vegetables and, and it's really nice veg and you know um and and you you know or one wonky um <laughs> wonky winter veg yeah, as well exactly. um so it, it's just taking taking basic ingredients and giving them a bit of tlc and a bit of extra extra flavor yeah definitely sure. so that for everyone is in our january issue which is on the newsstands now it's bright yellow we've got a, a really Really brilliant one of Janine's recipes turmeric broth with ginger mm. and chicken dumplings on the front cover yeah. and if you want any more vegan or vegetarian or any other kind of recipe inspiration <laughs> we've got that on our website yeah. at olivemagazine.com brilliant thank you Janine thank you Laura big thank you to Janine Sarah and Tom this week and all of you lovely listeners thank you for tuning in as ever and make sure you tweet us Facebook Instagram get in touch on social media let us know what you loved what you didn't and what you want us to talk about next week Thank you for listening. Happy cooking, happy eating, happy drinking. And we'll see you next week.